we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. So if you want to find that uh, in your Bible, open your Bible. If you Or if you're a digital person, turn on your Bible or open your app. I guess we could say open to both a, you know, a physical Bible or open your app, uh, whatever the case may be. But uh, Hebrews 11, 6, and there's, you know, we, we know Hebrews is the chapter of faith. And uh, it is... Uh, always uh, uh, inspiration and challenge to us to to read that. And so, uh, just as a reminder of faith uh, today, I wanted to read Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the writer of Hebrews expresses this in the negative, that it, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But I think sometimes repeating that in the positive is, uh, is also encouraging, is that with faith, it is possible to please God. Aren't you glad for that? And uh, we aren't always behind the eight ball when it comes to our relationship with God. All we have to do is express faith, and it is possible to please him. So I want to bring up the question then, what does it mean to have faith? I think we, we use that word, we're comfortable with the use of that word in church, and, and uh, even though faith applies to all kinds of things, but, but uh, we, we talk a lot about having faith, and especially faith in God um, in our uh, daily lives. And, and so what does it mean to have faith? How do you know that you have faith? How do you measure faith? How do you know how much faith you have? Do you have five pounds of faith? Do you have six feet of faith? Do you have a gallon of faith? How, how do you measure faith? How do you know you have a lot of faith, or how do you know you may not have faith? It's an interesting question, but we know this is that it is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what is it? Well, let me offer this to you today, and we may relate to Another word, um, as much as we relate to the word faith and what it means to have faith, uh, in this year, 2024, we've chosen the, the theme, I will trust him. I will trust him. That's our theme. We've been kind of using that, uh, that theme uh, ever since the first of the year. And uh, I, I want to throw this out for us today. This may be a part of faith. It may be uh, somewhat synonymous with the word faith. But the word trust and faith, I think, go together. If we trust God, we are expressing faith in God, right? And so I think that's maybe a word that we are a little more familiar with or maybe how to maybe measure that within ourselves. You know I'm just being facetious with you when I say, you know, there's some sort of tangible way we can measure faith or, or trust for that matter. You know, it's not six pounds of faith or, or you know, ten feet of, of faith or trust. But we, we do know this, is that our faith and our trust in God can be measured by how often we say yes to God. 
Or as the writer of Hebrews says in, in verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. And so we might say, you know, how often we say yes to God or how often we might say no to God. And uh, we uh, sometimes wrestle with what we feel like God is asking us to do. And, and, uh, and so we can measure, I think, our faith by how we trust and, and how, you know, do we do this. I, I think, you know, what is our first response or what is our first emotion many times, you know, when we hear bad or troubling news or things that concern us, when we hear bad news, uh, what is our first response? Do we feel fear? Do we have anxiety? Do we somehow feel insecure in some way? Um, I think that, that um, tells us a lot about the state of trust in God. And not to say that, you know, we're bad people or we're doing, you know, terrible things if somehow we feel fear, because that's natural to us as human beings. And, and we have situations in our past and in our lives that, that we've experienced things that have, have maybe turned out not how we wanted them, and, and we fear those things. But I think it's important that we recover from that by saying, you know what, God is, is the one I put my trust in. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what the answer to this situation is. I don't know, you know, where uh, the future is headed uh, in this area of my life, but I know this is that I can trust God no matter what the situation is. And affirming that to ourselves, I think, is important. And then uh, most important is that we are acting upon that. You know, faith, like trust, is like a muscle that we exercise. And if we exercise muscle, we know over time with consistency and, and I, the muscle gets stronger. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder what that's like myself, but maybe I should exercise more. But we, like faith, like trust, when we exercise it, it becomes stronger in our lives. And, and you know what the uh, opportunity for exercising faith and trusting God is, for us, is risk. You know, when things present to us as, as risks in our lives, um, you know, and I'm not talking about silly or trivial sorts of things, but when God speaks to us, and we don't know the outcome or maybe the destination, and we say yes to God's voice because we trust him. I'll say this again later, but when God is asking you to do something, and you are convinced that it is God, and if you know his voice, then, then you can identify that that's God. And if God asks you to do something that is risky, it is no risk at all when we obey him. God is not setting us up for failure. God is not sending us out on a fool's errand. God is not trying to embarrass us or, or make some kind of ridiculous statement with us. Is that when God speaks to our heart and we say yes, there is no risk at all. As you know, and as I said just a moment ago, Hebrews 11 is the chapter that that uh, really uh, shows faith and, and how it was demonstrated in characters of Scripture that are named there. And, and if you look at Hebrews 11 and verse 8, one of the first examples is Abraham, okay? 
Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, or maybe just for our purpose today we could insert the word trust, by trust, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, and this is key, not knowing where he was going. God said, if you will obey me, I'll take you to a land that will be yours and your descendants. It will belong to you and all who uh, come after you. And he did not know where he was going. Now, uh, you know, when my wife and I get in the car, she wants to know where we're going. That's the first question. Where are we going? I'm thinking of just saying, well, just trust. Just trust today. <laughs> Probably not a satisfactory answer. But, you know, we, we want to have the plan. We want it laid out before us. And uh, we, um, you know, want, you know, all of the variables and all of the, the you know, uh, contingencies covered uh, whenever, you know, we, we are asked to do something. And, and here Abraham, when God speaks to him, he is in a place where he and his ancestors, uh, the Bible tells us, is a place called Ur, the Chaldees, and, and that's uh, the, the province of Babylon. And uh, they uh, were asked to travel from there to what would be the land of Israel eventually, and, and uh, the land of promise, and not knowing where he was going. Um, wouldn't that be the ultimate road trip with your kids in the back? And they say, how much longer, right? When are we going to get there? And it's like, I don't know. We don't know where we're going. <laughs> so Abraham, here with all that he has, and everyone who belongs to him are headed out to this place that God will show him. And once he's in the land of promise, then God continues to speak to Abraham. And one night, Abraham is outside. And I, I think we have a hard time appreciating this, even, even where we live here in, in our communities on the Kenai Peninsula, is that when we step outside of our house at night, uh, and we look up in the sky and we see stars, we don't understand even the, the half of it of the stars that exist in the sky because of all the light pollution, right? You know, and sometimes even if you're in town, you know, and they say, oh, the northern lights are out. You can't see them from our house because there's too much light washing them out. And so we have to go to a place with less light showing. I remember years ago, the uh, first time I, I understood this at all, I think it was about maybe 13 years old, and my, my father took myself and my brother, and uh, we were going to hike uh, Mount Whitney uh, in California, and it's the highest point on the in the continental United States. It's over fourteen thousand feet, and uh, so we were on our way. And halfway up is a is a camp spot, and there's a small lake there, uh, Boy Scout Lake. And uh, we set up our our camp and uh, turned in for the night, and we were amazed, especially growing up in a in a place like Los Angeles where. Uh, you can't even see stars at night because of the light pollution. And so here we are up on the side of Mount Whitney and uh, far away from, you know, 
cities and, and lights and all of those things, and we could not believe the stars that exist in the sky. And uh, we, you know, couldn't go to sleep for just looking at the stars, and we were in the middle of a meteor st uh, storm, and so meteors streaking across the sky every few seconds, and it was just an amazing glimpse of what maybe Abraham was observing when he's standing outside his tent. You know, uh, they probably turned off the street lights for him that night, you know, so he could see. And there he is in the darkness, and God is telling him that his descendants are going to outnumber the stars that he would see uh, that night. And, uh, and here, again, uh, even though Abraham had no children, he and Sarah were without children, you know, he could have opened the door to the tent and looked inside and heard no children, seen no children, and yet believing God that he was faithful to his promises. Remember when God calls us to do something risky, there is no risk. And he believed God. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was giving glory to God as if it already had manifested. And uh, that was before children, that was before the, the proof of God's promise came to light. And three times in the New Testament, it is repeated that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What would it be like to have that kind of trust and faith in God? I, it's, it's possible for us and uh, we, can, we can do that. Um, but we have to, you know, deal with our fears and anxieties and insecurities. Uh, you know, encountering risk always feels daunting. When we, we with everything we do, try to eliminate risk. And, uh, you know, the automobile industry uh, stays in business because when our new car becomes an old car, and at what point does it become an old car? I, I want to know the answer to that. But there's a point where we don't want the risk of being left on the side of the road uh, with a car. We had a, we had a car like that, and uh, it, was, it had intermittent problems, which just they had difficult time diagnosing, and it would run terrible, drop of a hat, and then for whatever reason, it would, it would run again. And, you know, I remember one time, you know, we were right there by the garage, and, and it was doing its thing, and, and we took it right from there in, and, and they checked on it. Nothing wrong with it, they told us, and we're like, it just, we're having trouble with it. And, and then finally, one day, I was coming home from fishing with a friend, and, and we were nearing home. In fact, it was just in front of the high school, and we were ready to turn on Princess Street here. And, and uh, I said to them, hey, that looks like my car on the side of the road. <laughs> and we passed it. I said, that is my car on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> we, we eventually got it fixed, and then we sold it. <laughs> Why? Because we want to eliminate risk, right? And, uh, and we're not comfortable. We're not comfortable with risk. But, uh, you know, we, we buy insurance to mitigate risk. You know, we, 
We fear what risk threatens, but we cannot live without risk. The, the truth of the matter is that life is risky. Some we're kind of used to, but we know this, every time we get in a car, there is some risk. When you fly in an airplane, there is some risk that the door is going to blow right out. Yeah, we thought that was just like urban legend or something, right? But there's risk. Even if we don't know it, there's risk. And how do we navigate life? How do we go out and live the life that God wants us to live? Well, it's best to trust God. And even when he directs you to do something that appears to be a risk, if God is speaking to us, and it seems risky, understand if God is speaking to us, it is not risky at all. Learning to live in trust with God is living the life of faith to the ability that we are able to trust. And, and what is that? It is our ability to say yes to God. When we tell God no, you got the wrong person, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, we are not expressing faith. We are not expressing trust. Uh, the opposite, when we say yes to God, that is a demonstration of faith. And, and our obedience to saying yes is where we begin to flex that muscle of faith and, and grow it in our life. So greater trust equals greater faith. And, uh, and there's... We know that we're on the path of trust and path of faith in God when we experience four things. And I, I want to talk about four benefits of trusting God with our, with our lives and with our obedience. And number one is we have a power that is given to us to live life successfully. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says this. It says... And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and to every part of the earth. And, and so when we come into relationship with God, we express faith. You know, just uh, receiving salvation from God, you know, is uh, often been uh, expressed in this way, you know, is that uh, we have trusted God for our salvation. And, and that, that is expressing faith in him, that we are saved. I trust God with my salvation. And, uh, and when we do that, um, there's a power that is available to us to be able to live life in a successful way. I like Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, that it, it lists about all, all this great list of things that, that we have to negotiate and, and navigate in life um, that are difficult, sometimes difficult for us to, to negotiate or, or uh, navigate. And, and Paul writing to the Roman church says in Romans 8, 37, he says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that comforting? We can put our trust in somebody who loves us that much that he gives us the power and we are more than conquerors. Difficulty in your life, impossibilities, uh, situations that you don't know how to 
um, uh, navigate or you don't know where you're going, but you're trusting God. We are more than conquerors in those things. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can trust somebody like that. We can express faith by being obedient to someone like that. When we trust God, we demonstrate faith in him and we are empowered to live life as God created us to live it. There's just a number of scriptures and I wanted to just have a long, long list and I've got probably too many as it is, but Romans 8.31, just prior to this, it says, and what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that powerful? Who can be against us? If God, if, and, and it's not that God is on my side. No, 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 no. I am on God's side, all right? Little difference there. He's not joining my team. I'm joining his team, all right? And if God is for us, who can be against us? We have the ultimate authority in heaven and earth, and we are on his side. I used Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 as kind of my theme verse in one of the riskiest things I remember ever doing. And that was when we left a comfortable situation. My wife and I arrived here as pastors in 1988. And our church was the everything from the coat room, chapel, and the, and the basement under it uh, was the church building and everything on this side of the double doors it was construction and and uh, I did not know what I was doing I had never built a doghouse in my entire life I wouldn't have known how to frame a doghouse much less build a building I tell you it gets really real when the coat room used to be about twice as wide we had to we had to saw that in half and when you're running a saw through a building and you tear that apart, it gets real. <laughs> it's like, I hope this works out. <laughs> you stick a spade in the, in the dirt, you turn it over to put new foundations in. And it was so much money and it was so much energy and so many people involved. that I'd never been involved in anything quite like that, especially leading that ever in my life. We had a reserve of money. We burned through that, and the building was still not finished, and we had to seek some, some financing, and, and it was more money than, than I wanted to go into debt for, and, and yet uh, that seemed to be the direction for fulfillment of what we were hoping. And all through that period of time, you know, when money ran dry, and, and when uh, help and teams, you know, that, that came from the lower 48 weren't appearing on the horizon, you know, at certain times. I, I would repeat Philippians 4.13 to myself and to the church, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's still true. He gives us power when we have no power. <laughs> 
He gives us ability when we have no ability. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. John 10.10, I love this. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. God has given you the power to live an abundant life. I used to, and still do, I ponder what is the nature of the abundant life. And I just thought maybe at some point you, you rise to a level of faith and trust in God to where you just don't have any problems anymore. Guess what? I have never risen to that level. <laughs> I still have challenges and problems I've got to overcome. But that's, I think, what the abundant life is really all about. It's knowing I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and that I can persevere and he will help me in every situation that I find myself in. And that is what living the abundant life is all about. When I can trust God, when I'm demonstrating faith in God, is that I can, I can overcome each and every situation that, that poses a threat and risk in my life. And God is the God of life. He wants us to live, and he wants us to live in an abundant way. I love this, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. There's the last scripture for this point here that he's given us power to live life. Is that 2 Peter 1 says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God has given it to you already. When you expressed faith in Christ for your salvation, when you trusted him with your salvation, he has given you everything that you need that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God gives us power for life if we just say yes. <laughs> you know how to experience powerlessness with God? Say no. But when we say yes to God, it, it's an adventure with ultimately no risk. God is with us. So, power. Number two, our second benefit, when we trust God and live demonstrating that faith in him, is protection. God's protection is upon us. I, I love the promise of Isaiah fifty-four seventeen. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Just ponder that for a moment. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. What kind of weapons are out there? What, what weapons are out there threatening us? You ever been threatened by false accusation? You ever been threatened by, by lies and untruths? Those are weapons that can destroy us in certain ways. But here the promise of Isaiah 54 is of God's protection. Whatever weapon is out there that is formed against you, uh, it shall not prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and, and the righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That's what protection looks like, is that the enemy will form weapons against you to sully your reputation or to uh, besmirch your integrity or to somehow uh, make you look like a fraud Whatever the case is, is that that weapon that is formed against you shall not prosper. 
that's a good that's a good promise of God to know and, and when those things happen to you false accusation or lies or whatever the case may be is that you stand on that promise you stand on that promise and you proclaim it and say Lord I'm trusting you is that this promise is true our lives our eternity our souls our reputation are in his protection we just have to stay in his protection, and trust him even when everyone else is telling us to do something else. Let me say this, you know, if, if God's word says, this is the way, walk in it, then anything else is a departure from trusting God. If God says, this is the way this is to happen, that is the, that is the marching orders for you and I, and that's where God's protection is. Now, if we freelance on our own or we listen to other advice or whatever, we are open to whatever weapon is formed against us and it may do us some damage. But if we will, if we will stay in the promises of God, if we will stay in the, in, the, in the truth that God has revealed to us, remember um, what we just read a moment ago, he's given to us all things for life and, and uh, uh, godliness. And, and in the knowledge of him. And so we have to know what's in God's word, and when we live in that, we express trust in that, it will protect us. So our benefits in trusting God is that we will receive power. Number two is that we will receive protection. Number three is, is that we will receive prosperity. Now, a lot of people's hackles get raised when you just say the word prosperity, okay? Um, because it has been abused, and, um, you know, so some people think that, you know, God is not interested in prospering us. Let me say this to that. If, if that is true, if God is not interested in prospering us, us living in prosperity, then you have to eliminate a good share of scripture, okay? You just have to say this, this no longer applies because we don't like that word. But the word prosperity or prosper or whatever is all throughout scripture, Old and New Testaments, and, and it is God's promise to us. Now, I think maybe we need to uh, understand and define the word prosperity so that we don't run off in the weeds somewhere. But... Uh, I tell you the truth, that God gives us the ability to prosper. Remember that, that verse we read not long ago, John 10, 10, about abundant life? Living the abundant life is prospering. Verse or passage of scripture I've shared from uh, many times uh, is my life scripture uh, for me, and uh, it's Psalm 1. And it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. So you've got to avoid that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season, his leaf also shall not wither, and here's the punchline, and whatever he does will prosper. I, I want that for my life. 
<laughs> and it gives me the instructions of how to receive that. Certain things we avoid, certain things that we, that we uh, uh, cling to. And the result is that we prosper. When we live in trust with God, when we live in faith, when we demonstrate faith and trust in God, he prospers us. Now, um, when some people hear the word prosperity, prosper, whatever form of the word there is, um, they, they hear riches or money. And let me say this, is that God is not against money. Money is not evil, all right? I once had a staff person, and uh, we were having this discussion about money. And he was saying, well, you know, because money is evil. I said, oh, it's evil. I did not know that. Uh, I said, so it's evil if I pay you money for the work you're doing here. Well, no. And I said, well, is money evil? Or not? Well, of course it's evil. I said, well, I'm going to pay you less because I want to do less evil in your life, which he was not excited about. No, God is not against money. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Wealth, by the way, talks about money. This is about money. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. I've, I've heard, you know, certain people say, and it's crass, and, and, and I don't think it's accurate, is that God wants to make you rich, and referring to money, and I just, I think that makes no sense. Rich is one of those words with no definition. What does it mean to be rich? I don't know. I'm just curious. Anybody in this room, anybody at all, have more than two pairs of shoes? Okay, some of you do. Surprise, what a shock. That means that you're rich. Some people in the world have no shoes. So when we consider ourselves rich, it's just really a comparative statement, isn't it? Well, they're rich. Why? Well, they have more than I do. But who do you have more than? <laughs> it's, it's without definition. And so to say that God wants you rich really makes no sense. Does God want you to prosper? That's a whole different subject. <laughs> money is a part of that. He wants to meet your needs. And sometimes money is the best tool to meet your need. And uh, God has no problem with money. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll help us to prosper in what we do. And we could maybe, uh, maybe say this word, uh, prosper, in a different way. Is that, and whatever he does will be successful. Okay? Success is a part of prosperity, and, and uh, God wants us to live abundantly. He wants to prosper us. He wants to uh, give us power. He wants to protect us, and he wants us to live in an abundant way, and we have to do it God's way. We have to trust him. You know, and I'll, I'll just say this. I'll make you mad, and then we'll just move on from it, okay? I'll say something that will offend your little heart. Um, but uh, we'll, we won't dwell there long, is that some people have trust issues with God and their money. They, they struggle paying their tithe. There, I said it. Okay, now be offended and we'll move on. 
Some people just struggle with paying their tithes. Talk about trust issues. Say, oh, how do I demonstrate faith in God? Here I struggle with the most basic of things that God uh, asks of us. Sometimes we're, we're just kind of control freaks with God's money. And uh, so anyways, I'm going to move on. All right. It's awful quiet in here. It's awful quiet in here. So power, protection, prosperity are benefits of trusting God. Those are ours to receive if we will trust him. Number four is presence. This is the best of the, of the, of the four uh, benefits that we receive is, is God's presence in our life. It's the best part. Did, have you ever felt anxious? Ever feel restless? Ever feel fearful? The best cure to all of those things is his presence. When the presence of the Lord fills our heart, when we live in trust, we demonstrate faith by saying yes to God, his presence envelops us with peace. God's presence, it makes all the difference in the world. You can be in a, in a fearful, frightful situation and God's presence will just come around you. And in the midst of what usually sets off the alarm bells in our lives, in our psyche, all of a sudden becomes a place where we feel peace, even when we shouldn't be feeling peace, because God's presence is with us. The same peace Jesus had when he was asleep in the back of the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm raged, and his disciples feared for their lives. You remember that story? Jesus has been ministering all day and out of exhaustion in his humanity he lays down in the back of the boat and, and these seasoned fishermen these disciples of Jesus been out on the Sea of Galilee many times feared for their lives they go to the back of the boat and they wake Jesus up Jesus don't you even care that we are perishing and Jesus stood up and spoke peace to the storm and all was calm you know God can do that in our own heart the storm in our in our heart in our lives can be raging and you we cry out to God God don't you even care what's going on and his presence comes and it just silences the storm that we've struggled with. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That peace is available to you. But I want to just encourage you today. What does it mean to have faith in God? What does it mean to trust God? It just means saying yes to him. It just means living in obedience to him because he's given us everything that we need to accomplish that, to do that. Jesus came that we might experience life and that we might experience it more abundantly. So I want to just say, you know, I don't know what's going on in each and every individual life. Sometimes, you know, time like this, you're right in the middle of the storm. God is speaking to you about trust, about demonstrating faith. 
Maybe you're in the midst of some really good days and that's wonderful. Enjoy them. But there will come a time where we will experience fear, where we will experience things that give us anxiety when we feel insecure. And know what's available to us. God's power to overcome. We're more than conquerors. God before us, who can be against us? God's power is available to us. God's prosperity is ours. Something that that we can flourish. We have God's protection. When you're attacked, the enemy comes, roaring like a lion, put him to silence. When his presence comes, all of the things that feel threatening around us fade. So I want to pray for you today. Would you bow your heads with me, Heavenly Father? As we bow our heads this morning, we just pray, Lord, that we would live in faith with you, Lord, that we would trust you always to say yes. Yes to the things that maybe we don't feel equipped for or experienced in. Things maybe we don't even know where we're going. But Lord, if you ask us, there is no risk. Lord, we want to say yes to your plan. So Lord, I pray today, Lord, especially for those who may be experiencing storm right now, right now in their life, some area, some way. Lord, your power, your protection, your your prosperity, your presence, Lord, is with us. And Lord, help us to cling to that, not to run in fear, Lord, not to trust in our own way or the advice of others, but Lord, what you and your word would declare for us, we pray. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.